Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. You know, we live in a culture that loves strength, values strength, and the, the persona or the idea of being strong. Uh, in fact, we, we marvel at the strength of superheroes. You see what I did there? Like, if you are wondering what pastors do all week, that is your answer, okay? So we marvel at the strength of superheroes. We love to watch strength on display in competitions like America Ninja's Warrior. Uh, we intentionally, we watch intently as athletes display their strength and their prowess on the, on the court or on the field. Social media and, and uh, websites are filled with advertisements about how you can become skinnier and stronger. We want to be a people of strength. And I'm not even necessarily indicating that any of the things that I've just mentioned are bad. But more often than not, in our culture in particular, the way in which we define strength is in the strength that we long for and, and seek after so, so, so much is often defined or expressed as power over someone. Power over means that uh, to be stronger than someone, you must demonstrate that you can overpower them. And as you might guess, this often leads to violence. So in a culture that, that uh, values, maybe even worships strength as power over, it may come as no surprise, or it certainly should come as no surprise to us, that the way in which we often display that strength or that value is through violence. And so in a fairly benign form, maybe this is uh, playground fights or competitions to prove who is strongest. Maybe in its most malignant form, it's carrying out violent acts in order to show strength or domination over a group by which we feel harmed or threatened. In a culture that values power over strength, what happens then is gentleness becomes a bad word. Gentleness is kind of, in a, in a culture that values strength and power over strength, gentleness becomes this kind of disease or this synonym for weakness. And yet, the scriptures list in Galatians chapter 5 that one of the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. Uh, which is to say that the, when the Spirit of God is at work in our lives, then we become a gentle people. But it's also to say that since these are the fruit of the Spirit of God, they in essence are a list of the characteristics of who God is, all expressions of His love, that in, in the list is God's gentleness toward us. I don't know how you view or what your conception of the invisible or the unknowable is in God, but we know from Scripture and the witness of Christ that at least God can be described as gentle. And as He works in our own lives, we too will be described as a gentle people. May it forever be so. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 says this, you yourselves know, this is Paul speaking to the church in Thessalonica. He says, you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you is not in vain. But though we have already suffered and been uh, shamefully mistreated at Philippi, as you know, we had the courage in God to declare the gospel in spite of great opposition. 
For our appeal does not spring from deceit or impure motives or trickery, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the message of the gospel, even so we speak not to please mortals, but to please God who tests our hearts. And as you know, and as God is our witness, we never came to you with words of flattery or with the pretext for greed, but nor did we seek praise from mortals, whether from you or from others, though we might have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you. Like a nurse tenderly caring for her children, so deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you became very dear to us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In our text this morning, the Apostle Paul is describing the kind of ministry that he has to the church in Thessalonica, and we certainly hear signs of a strong ministry, right? Uh, if you've ever kind of run in circles of leaders in ministry, there's a lot of talk about having a strong and effective ministry. And we see that evidence here in Paul's words. He says, we proclaimed the gospel even in the face of strong opposition, which certainly takes courage and certainly takes strength. He says, we are not trying to please people. We are doing it in order that we might please God. He also echoes that. He says, we're not looking for praise from people. We're doing this because we've been on mission sent from Christ. It seems, that, it seems as though Paul has this kind of approach to ministry that is no holds barred, right? They, they get in there and proclaim the gospel no matter what. Get in there and get them saved. <laughs> and so we have these, this evidence of this strength, this effectiveness that Paul has in his ministry, but then Paul surprises us, and he begins to describe his ministry as a nursing mother who is caring for her child, which is quite an odd kind of word picture that he might give, given what he has just said and described, right? He, he went from proclaiming the gospel in the midst of opposition and no matter what people think to the picture of a mother tenderly caring for her child. Talk about this emotional whiplash, right, of, the, of this picture and what he's talking about. I don't know if you've ever heard the saying, uh, it's, a, it's a kind of popular leadership quip, uh, but it goes like this. It says, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Have you heard that? They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. For pastors, this is such an important thing. It's kind of become a little bit passe to say, but it's actually, there's lots of truth in it. Because uh, it's this essence of, you can have all sort of the intellectual prowess, you can be a great communicator, all of that, but until this, this congregation knows that these things, this, these proclamations, this preaching is coming from a place of care, then it usually falls on deaf ears. Paul, in his ministry in Thessalonica, is actually embodying a truth sort of like this, because he's not just going about sharing the content of the gospel with them, but rather he's actually sharing his life with them as well. For someone who finds himself in ministry and in leadership, this is such a challenge to me, to be sure that that I'm not just offering this sort of presentation or sermon on a Sunday morning, but that in, at least in some way I'm offering myself as well. 
In other words, Paul isn't there to try to fix them, but rather Paul is joining their life, joining life with them in order to lovingly disciple and care for this group of people. And so we might say, yes, Paul's ministry in Thessalonica was strong and it was effective. But why do we say that? Is it because of his approach of sharing the gospel no matter what, even in the face of opposition? They can't, this kind of attitude that says, they can't shut me up. (laughs) Or is it because he came in there with a get in line or get out attitude? The answer is no. The answer is his ministry was strong and effective because where he saw people, he saw people and where they were at spiritually, he came alongside of them, cared for them, imparted life to them, nurtured them to maturity just like a mother does. Church, I want you to hear this. We get a sense that Paul was in a position of authority but used that position in love. Paul was in a position of authority, but did not use that authority to prop himself up, but rather to love. And in so doing, the Apostle Paul displays true strength. And this is the main point that I want you to get today. It's a simple one, but it's it's a simple one to kind of understand and grab a hold of. It is really, really hard to work out in our lives. But the point I want us to get today is this. Gentleness is not the opposite of strength. It is the evidence of strength. Gentleness is not the opposite of strength. It is evidence of strength. And, and in fact, I want to I put it this way. Gentleness, let's, let's also understand gentleness in this way. Hospitality. And not hospitality as in, be our guest, be our guest, right? But rather hospitality of spirit, where we're welcome to receive people as they are, an understanding. So gentleness, hospitality of heart and spirit, understanding. These things are not the opposite of strength, but rather they are evidence of real strength. And this will come, this will cross the grain of of a people who have grown up in a culture where strength is valued and, uh, and observed and displayed only as power over people or the ability to overpower people. This understanding of strength as as gentleness will come across to our ears as and we'll we'll say, kind of, what are you talking about? But it's actually evidenced to us so clearly in the scriptures. I want to turn our attention to our painting this morning. We've been uh, kind of looking at artwork to enhance the message uh, of, our, of our sermon series, believing in the power of art to speak truth in ways that words cannot. But what's interesting about this artwork is there's actually some written prose that sits in the background of all of this to kind of frame everything else going on in the image. And so the real strength of this painting is found in the words inscribed in the background. And while too lengthy to read to you today, at least as I understand them as I read them, they tell us that gentleness is not the absence of anger. Gentleness is not the absence of anger, because let's be honest for a moment. There are some things that we should be angry about, right? Some things come up in our lives. There are things in our culture right now that as the people of God, we should be angry about. 
but our call to gentleness is still the same. So, so I love this because this kind of paints this visual picture along with the words that sit in the background that gentleness is not the absence of, being, of anger, but rather gentleness is the ability to redirect our anger toward restorative action. That's so good and so powerful. And so here's what I want to say to you today, church. That in a world of violent kind of power over strength, Christians have the opportunity to display the strength of gentleness and servanthood. Or can we describe this as power under? So there's strength where I overpower you, but there's also a strength to me coming under in order to serve. Where I humble myself in order that I might become a servant. Does this sound like Jesus? Right? So violent strength feels the need to overpower people in order to put their strength on display, right? So in this kind of culture that values this overpowering strength, if you will never know my strength until I put it on display and overpower someone. That's the only way that I can let you know how strong I am, right? But gentleness, as Grace put so, so wonderfully, is not an outer strength but an inner strength. Gentleness is an inner strength that is so strong, you are freed from the need to display it over people. I see a lot of head nodding behind the masks. That's good. It encourages me. Thank you. <laughs> so gentleness is also the ability to stand up to evil by way of service to the vulnerable. Some might say that gentleness means that you have no voice, right? In our culture that values kind of overpowering strength so much, gentleness seen as weakness would say, if you're gentle, you have no voice. But true gentleness, true strength is not having a voice, it's giving our voice away to those who have none. So gentleness is not weakness, gentleness is an entirely different kind of strength. And it is displayed in force in the life of Jesus. And for any of us who follow Jesus and call him Lord, any understanding that we might have of strength as being domination over other people, we are not watching the life of Jesus and we are not listening to his teachings. We have, we have simply conscripted a, a sort of Jesus-y sort of version of our own cultural understanding of strength. In other words, we've kind of taken the cultural, empirical way of strength and sort of attached Jesus to it without actually looking at the life and message of Jesus. Because what we see in the life and message of Jesus is a strength not that is powered over, but that comes under and it transformed the world, amen? that Jesus overcomes the worst sort of enemies. Yes, he kind of disrupted an empire, right? The empire got really nervous when Jesus started going around talking about forgiveness and care for the poor, and he started healing the sick. He started giving attention to the vulnerable and those for whom the system was no longer working. The empire got really nervous. But that just well wasn't even the biggest enemy. The biggest enemy was sin and death. 
But Jesus, even then, does not feel the need to gather all this force and strength and power over, but rather defeats sin and death by way of death. He becomes obedient even unto death, and it is through death and resurrection that even the worst enemies of sin and death are defeated. Amen. This is the gospel, church. And if, if you feel like, oh, Pastor Andy's really off the rails, then I feel like we've lost sight of what the gospel is, right? Jesus in front of Pilate does not argue. Jesus on the cross dies offering forgiveness. Paul, in his ministry, cares for his churches. John the Baptist, who was called to prepare the way of the Messiah, and yet said, he must become greater and I must become less, displaying an incredible humility. Mother Teresa cared for others in such a way the entire world came to know of her strength. You see, my sense is the best way to stand up to and resist the evils that are happening in our world that we have every right to be angry about is to advocate for groups that are being harmed by people in power. Amen? The gentleness, the strength of gentleness is put on display through advocacy. Not by simply becoming a a new kind of oppressor. There's an ancient church father named St. Jerome that got this. He said this. There is nothing so strong as gentleness. And nothing so gentle as real strength. Hundreds of years ago, a fellow brother in the faith, said those words. If we want to know the strength of gentleness, we need to look no further than the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, who puts it on full display. It can be hard, though, to kind of work out what this might look like and how this applies to our life. And I was watching a, a movie recently that, that just this, this idea, this concept, this truth hit me square in the face. And I would love to show the movie clip to you, but in days of internet streaming, copyright laws get really awkward and weird. So I'm just going to read the dialogue to you to make sure we don't get in trouble. Uh, so but you can YouTube the clip. It's easy to find. I'll, I'll describe it to you. Uh, It's from the film 42. The film 42 tells the story of Jackie Robinson, who is the first black man to play professional baseball. Um, In a a pivotal scene, uh, baseball executive Branch Ritchie talks to Jackie about the difficulties that he will face while playing in white baseball. Ricky intentionally gets Jackie upset as he paints different pictures of different scenarios Uh, of facing persecution both on and off the field. And here's the dialogue. Jackie says, do you want a ball player who doesn't have the guts to fight back? Is that what you want? To which Ricky Branch replies, I want one who has the guts not to fight back. There are people who will not like this. They will do anything to you to get you to react. If you echo a curse with a curse, they will only hear yours. Follow a blow with a blow, and they will say the Negro lost his temper, and that the Negro does not belong. Your enemy will be out in force, but you cannot meet him on his own low ground. 
We win with hitting, running, and fielding, nothing else. We win if the world is convinced of two things, that you are a fine gentleman and a great ball player. Like our Savior, you must have the guts to churn the other cheek. (laughs) And right there in the middle of 42, you get the gospel. That is unbelievable. Branch Rickey says, can you do it? Jackie replies, Mr. Ricky, you give me a uniform. You give me a number on my back, and I will give you the guts. What a powerful illustration and picture of what real strength looks like, the strength of gentleness. You want a ball player who doesn't have the guts to fight back? I want a ball player who has the guts not to fight back. Church, whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish in these days, may it be accomplished with the gentleness of the Spirit of God. And may it be done with courage not to fight back. May we fight through service, not culture wars. May we fight by giving our voice away and not yelling. May we fight for justice for the oppressed. May we work to protect our neighbor, not get lost in a narrative of demanding personal rights. Because we serve a savior who gave up all of his divine rights in order that he might become a servant and become obedient even unto death. For this is the strength of gentleness and this is the way of Christ. And as we come to the table today, let's remember that our instinct, let's be honest, that our instinct is strength through domination. Just admit that out loud in our own hearts to say that we have grown up in a culture that values power over strength. And so when we picture strength, when we think about strength, we, all, we will always tend to think first about domination and power over. Let's admit that as we come to the Lord's table today. For we come in remembrance of the Savior who let go of all of his rights and died, showing us the way of forgiveness and self-sacrificial love. And so that now through the power of the Spirit of God who is at work in us, we can live gently and with great power. We can live gently and with great power. Amen.